So he said, then how can we live this impossible life? How do you live the Christian life if you can't do it on your own? If it's impossible for us to do it, then how do people do it? Well, the answer is really quite simple. The answer is by His Spirit. By the Spirit of God, you and I can live what is the Christian life. You see, the Holy Spirit is what gives us the presence of God, the power of God, the enablement to do what God has called you to do, the understanding of what God has shared with us through His Word. All of that comes through the Holy Spirit in our life, working in our life. So without Him, you can't do it. It's impossible to live the Christian life. So as we begin this series this morning, it's important that we begin at the basic level, at the first level of understanding something about the Holy Spirit, and it's this. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? We're going to study this morning who the person of the Holy Spirit is. Now, in this passage, in John chapter 14, uh, let me say that uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples. In fact, he's telling them of what is to come. He's telling them that not much time from then, he will no longer be with them. This was something that was a little bit surprising to them. The Lord Jesus Christ was probably around this time between 33 and 34 years old. Uh, he was still re relatively a, a young man when it comes to how long people were living. And now he's telling his disciples, it's not going to be much time before I'll, I'll no longer be with you. In fact, when he's sharing these words here in chapter 14, it's the last night that he'll be with his disciples. It's the last time that he's going to really talk to them before giving his life on a cross. So here Jesus is, and he's speaking to them, and I want you to notice the words that he tells them in verse number 16. He says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Here in verse 16, Jesus introduces to, to them the one who's going to take his place. The one that is going to come after him, though he's not going to be with them any longer physically, he said, I'm going to send my spirit to be with you permanently. Jesus introduces them at this point to the Holy Spirit. Or as he says it here in, in verse 17, the spirit of truth. We're going to refer to him as the Holy Spirit throughout this series. So Jesus introduces them to this, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. But who is he? Who is this Holy Spirit? Well, I want you to know this morning, the Holy Spirit is a person. Not a physical person, but person in the sense that he has a personality. The Bible teaches us that uh, God is three persons. Not that there is three gods. There is only one God. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 says there's only one God. But there is three persons in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they are all equal in divinity, all equal uh, in who they are as God. Yet there's three different personalities, if you will, in the Godhead. And so the Holy Spirit is known as the third person in this Trinity, in this Godhead. He is the, the person known as the Holy Spirit. Now, this passage talks about three characteristics of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was teaching his disciples of, of this person. He says, I, I want you to know three, three basic truths about uh, the Holy Spirit that you guys need to know because I'm about to leave and he's about to come. He's going to 
take my place. So he introduces them to the Holy Spirit, and we're going to study a little bit about that this morning because I believe that those truths about who the Holy Spirit is is something that you and I need to know. We need to know this because without this knowledge, without understanding who the Holy Spirit is and, and what he does, it's impossible to live the Christian life. So I want you to notice, first of all, the first characteristic that he shares with them, and it's this, that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Notice, uh, first of all, there he says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. That word another is such an interesting word because it, it provides to us something that is specific. It provides us with a word that uh, sometimes we don't think about too often. We use the word another many times, and, uh, and most of the time it's to really categorize something as being more than one, right? If we, we have uh, one Coke and we get another Coke, that means we're going to add to the one that we had, all right? But in the Greek, the language, the original language that the New Testament was written in, it's a very specific language. Like they had two words for the word another that we translate another. There was one word that was the word heteros. In English, we use that word uh, as heterosexual, right? Uh, it means another, but it means something that is totally different. You can translate it as another, but it means another something else, but that is totally different. Then there is the word alas in the Greek, and that means another, but it means another that is exactly the same. Now, the first thing that Jesus shares with his disciples is that this, this person that is coming is another like me. He's exactly like me. Jesus declared himself to be God. Jesus said, in fact, a few verses earlier there in verse number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, I am the only way. Jesus said, I am the only one that has truth. I am the only life that there is. And now he's saying there is another that's like me that is coming. Exactly like me. That's what the word another means. It means that this person, the Holy Spirit, he is God. And as God, he has authority just as much as God does. He has all authority. In fact, the Holy Spirit, as the third person of the Trinity, is equal in all aspects to God the Father and God the Son. Do you know that the Holy Spirit was there as our Creator? Do you know that the Holy Spirit is there as our Redeemer? Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. I think it's there in your notes. It says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God, there it is, moved upon the face of the waters. Even at the very beginning during creation, we see that the Spirit of God was there, creating. Why? Because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is God. He has all authority. He can do all things. He is uh, our creator. He is our redeemer. Romans 8, 26 says he is the one that raised Christ from the dead. We'll look at that a little bit later in this message. But we find that uh, the Holy Spirit is God in every sense of the word. There's nothing of which he does not have authority over all things. The Holy Spirit is God this morning. And so uh, as you think about uh, that word God, in every sense you must think about the Spirit of God being God. 
I like what Acts chapter 13, verse 2 says. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost, which is the Holy Spirit, said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Here now we see the Spirit of God not only in creation, but now we see in Acts 13, verse 2, that the Holy Spirit is calling people to the work of the ministry. Now, can the Holy Spirit call uh, someone to the work of the ministry if it's not his own work? I would say it this way. Can you hire somebody to a company when it's not your company? When you're not the owner of the company? No, you can't. No one can come to me and say, hey, can you get me a job at Walmart? No, I'm not a manager there. I I can talk to a manager, maybe the manager or maybe the owner of the store. Maybe they can give you a job, but I can't. But here we see that the Holy Spirit, because He is God, is able to call people into the work of the ministry as he did with Paul and Barnabas. So what I'm saying here this morning is the first thing that God shares with his disciples, he said, I'm going to give you another, one that is just like me, one who has all authority. Not only does the Holy Spirit of God have all authority, he has all power. Authority speaks of position. Authority is the one to say, I can tell you what to do because I'm in positionally above you. That's what authority has to do. It has the the power to tell someone or to lead someone to do something. That's what authority does, right? You go to work every day and the boss that you report to has authority over you. He can ask you to go and do a job over here or he can ask you to do something uh, over there in in, in the company. and, And what he asks you to do as his employee, you are to do. He has authority over you. Parents, we have authority over our children. Uh, We are able to tell our children, here's what you need to do. You have that authority. But then there's power. Power is different from authority in the sense that power is the ability to make it happen. Authority says, well, listen, I have a position where I can tell you, like a boss says, I can tell you what to do. But to have the power to make someone do it, that's something different. That is the ability to make it happen. Now we find about the Holy Spirit that if he is exactly like the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus said, I have another comfort, the one's going to take my place. He says that means he has not only all authority, but he has all power. He can do all things. Notice in your notes, Job 33, verse 4, Job said this, The Spirit of God hath made me. And the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. We see that Job said, hey, the Holy Spirit of God created me. Romans 8, 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, or that means make alive your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. We see that the Spirit of God not only has the power to create, He has the power to resurrect, to give life. 2 Peter 1, 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. We find that the Holy Spirit had the power to bring about the Bible that you hold in your hand. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, gave those men of God uh, the truth to write down. That's why we say God is the author of this book, not men. Men might be the ones that were used to write the, the words down, but the words are inspired by God himself. The Holy Spirit of God, the Bible says, moved these men. It's kind of like the idea of uh, when you get a pen out and you begin to write on a piece of paper, no one says, wow, that pen is amazing. Look at all the words the pen knows. 
that pen is really smart. No. We say whoever's writing with a pen is pretty smart. He knows the words. He knows how to spell them. The pen is just the instrument that's used with the ink to write them down. The Bible came into existence not by men, but men were used just like that pen to write down the words of God. So we find that the Holy Spirit has all authority, has all power. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God. Now that word another, as I said, reflects that he is exactly like Jesus Christ, like he is exactly in all authority as God the Father and God the Son. But you know, in the Godhead, they are all equal in divinity, but they all have principally or primarily a, a different role. All right, this is why we split up the Bible teaches between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each one, each person has a different role in which they do. And so throughout Scripture, you'll find that God the Father is attributed more to the creation of our universe because He was the one that spoke uh, the words and we came into existence. We find that Jesus was more actively and primarily having the role of coming to earth and living a life, taking upon himself flesh and living a perfect life and dying on the cross for our sins. That was primarily his role. And the Holy Spirit also has a role in our lives. His role is to glorify Christ. His role is to sanctify us, to make us more like Christ. So he draws us to Christ and he helps us live more like Christ. That is primarily what he does. And so let me just say, as you, as you look at the Holy Spirit, as we study him, we will find that uh, he is God and he has an active role that we're going to talk about in our lives. Now, this is very important for us to understand. And let me just tell you why. Because so many times in the world in which we live, there are so many Christians that look at the Holy Spirit like He's something and not someone. You know, there's a big difference between looking at the Holy Spirit of God as someone instead of something. I like what one author said. I'll read it to you what he said. He says, if we think of the Holy Spirit as a mysterious power, our thought will continually be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? right? It's like money. How can I get more money? How can I get more strength? If you look at the Holy Spirit as something that's just some power out there, like some Star Wars thought, right? The force be with you. He's some force out there. Then you'll think, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? But then the author says, but if we think of the Holy Spirit as a person, our thought will be, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? You see, one is a pagan thought, but the other one is a New Testament Christianity kind of thought. It's one that says, how can the Holy Spirit possess more of me? How do I get to know him more? Because he is somebody. It's just like when you meet a new friend at school or at work. You want to get to know who they are. You realize this is a person, not someone I just going to use when I get to work and you know, try to get the, the time to go by quicker. No, you see them as a person. You want to know their background, their history, their, uh, if they're married or not. Do they have kids? You, you want to know where they went to school and, and do they have any hobbies? And, and you want to know who the person is. It's important for us to remember that the Holy Spirit of God is a person that we are to know. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to leave you another. 
one that is going to be taking my place, one that is going to be with you. Just like I was with you for these last 30-something years, I, I want you to know that the one that's taking my place will also be with you. And though I am leaving, he is staying. Uh, he's going to come and he's going to dwell in you and he's going to be there permanently. He'll never leave you again. It's important for us to understand this morning that the Holy Spirit is one that is a person. He is God. But secondly, you'll find that He is our guide. You see, even though the Holy Spirit is God, He is principally active as our guide. I want you to notice there in verse 16, if you will, once again, it says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter. That's an interesting word, comforter. Now, I know in our English language that uh, that word gives us an idea of uh, maybe someone that is uh, going through a difficult time, going through a, a sad time, and, and someone that comforts is, is one that's there to abide with them and, and to sort of uh, be there to, uh, to sort of console them uh, through that time. But the word comfort there is not having that idea at all. The King James Bible uh, version is a, is a little bit of older English, and, and uh, the word comfort there has two, uh, two words that are put together that, uh, that really mean something a little bit different uh, than what maybe you would first of all think of when you think of comfort. The first word is, is come, which means to be with, right? And the other is the, the Latin word, and by the way, it was, it was a Latin word that we got from English there, but the, uh, the first, uh, the, the Latin word is fortis which means strength. So the word here, uh, comforter, is one who comes alongside to strengthen. Jesus said, I want you to know that this guide of yours is one that strengthens you. And then in the Greek word, the word is parakletos. Comforter you, you get from the Latin, but the Greek is parakletos, and that means para, which means come, like parallel, to come alongside. And, uh, and kletos means called. In other words, one that is called to come alongside you for help. So here's what Jesus is telling his disciples. I want you to know that there's another one exactly like me, another person coming. That is the Holy Spirit. And he's going to come alongside you to strengthen and to help you. There in your notes, I want you to notice that the uh, Holy Spirit as our guide is one who strengthens and helps us. That's his principal or primary duty in our life. This is what he does for us. He strengthens and helps us. I want you to notice that Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we, not, uh, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now that second verse I mentioned for this. First of all, the Romans 8.26 there shows us and teaches us that the, Bible, uh, the Holy Spirit is there to, to help strengthen us, to help us in those times where we don't really know what to ask for, but the Holy Spirit will help you to know what to ask for. He's there making intercession for us. But in chapter 
uh, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, you'll notice that there's a word there that says advocate, right? Do you know that that word is the same word as comforter in the Greek? It's parakletos. In other words, one that comes along aside to help you, to speak for you. That's what an advocate is. If you ever get in trouble with the law, you need an advocate. Your lawyer is your advocate, the one who goes and speaks to the judge on your behalf. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes along to speak and strengthen and help us. He's your advocate today. He is one that has uh, the, the guide in your life to help you with it. By the way, that's what a guide does. If you've ever been uh, on vacation and had to take a tour somewhere, if you ever get a guide, a guide is one that will help you do that. Uh, we went to the Caribbean earlier this year, and uh, we went to Nassau, the capital, uh, me and, and my wife and family, and uh, we, we actually got a guide. I think it was like 20 bucks to get a guide, and he takes you around uh, the capital. And he shows you where all these buildings are and what the history is. And uh, he tells you what parts of uh, Nassau you don't want to go. And, and in that way, as our guide, he helped protect us to get away from some of the bad areas in the city. But then he also helped us to understand and explain what the culture and what the, the history of the city was. That's what a guide does. He's one that helps you in that manner. Well, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is one that strengthens and helps us. He helps us in our infirmities, and He also is one that speaks for us. He comes alongside and becomes our advocate. But not only does He strengthen and help us, but the Bible also teaches us that He directs and leads us. The Holy Spirit will also lead us and direct us to where we ought to go and what we ought to do. Uh, We're not left in the dark as to what to do in the Christian life, but we're guided by His Spirit as where to go. In Acts chapter 8, verse 27 to 29, I think this is in your notes, but you'll find it's it's speaking about Philip the Evangelist. And and it was telling about Philip how Philip was was, uh, one that uh, heard that he needed to go. God spoke to him and said, I want you to go to this desert place. And it says in verse 27, And he arose and went where the Lord had called him to go. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to worship, uh, come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then, the Bible says, Then the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. See, part of what the Holy Spirit does for us is that he's going to guide us and lead us. He did it for Philip. He said, listen, when you get to that desert place, he said, look around. And and as he was looking, he saw that there was an Ethiopian reading the Bible, didn't understand anything. And the Spirit of God told him, go and show him and explain to him what the words that he's reading mean. That's something that a person would do. Because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is our guide. But I want you to notice thirdly this morning and lastly that the Holy Spirit is genuine. You'll notice there in verse number 16 at the end it says that he may abide with you forever. And then 17 says even the spirit of truth. Now, I really love collecting Bibles. I I really don't know um, how many I have. I probably have like seven or eight Bibles and one thing I, I do when I get my Bibles is I like a Bible with a really nice cover. Uh, all of the Bibles that I own, or almost all of them, not every one of them, but most of them have a really nice cover. I found a, a, a website there online that 
recovers books, and they, they can recover your Bible, and they do it with a really nice uh, leather, any leather that you choose. And um, if you've ever purchased a Bible before, you'll, you'll notice as you open in the cover that sometimes right there on the cover, uh, it'll tell you what kind of cover you have. For instance, a lot of the Bibles have what is called a bonded leather. Has anyone ever seen that on your Bible? Bonded leather? All right, a few of you. Great. You know what bonded leather is? It's actually not real leather. In fact, bonded leather only has about 20% of leather. What happens is because leather, actual leather, and if you don't know this, actual leather comes from animals, right? either calf or goat, or they take the, the skin of an animal and then they begin to treat it after they take off the fur, and, and that's where you get your leather from. But since it's not manufactured, according to how big the animal is, that's how much leather you get, right? A smaller animal, you get less leather. A bigger animal, more leather, okay? That's how it works. But because it's very limited in size, you always have scraps left over. All right, you're only going to use so much of that leather, and then there's going to be some scraps left over. So what they do is they get all those scraps from what's left over of, of that leather, and they send it to get manufactured, and they'll, they'll blend it with some polyurethane, and they'll glue it together, and all that leftover leather uh, along with some other material is just glued together, and it's called bonded leather. So only about 20% of that leather is leather. But then there's another type of cover that you'll notice on your Bibles, and it says genuine leather. Genuine leather is actually 100% leather. That's why when you have a genuine leather Bible, the more you uh, use it, the more you handle it, you start breaking in the leather. It becomes softer and easier to open, and and it's easier to handle because it's 100% genuine. That means true leather. Now, I want you to notice that as Jesus is talking to his disciples, he says, I want you to know that there's another one just like me coming who's a comforter. He's going to come and help you. He's going to be your advocate. He's going to lead you and direct you. And I want you to know that he is the spirit of truth. He's genuine. What he has to say is the truth. You don't have to doubt it. You don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to to think about, I wonder what, is true about what the Spirit of God is telling me. He's not bonded leather. It's not only 20% of it true. By the way, there are more spirits in this world than just the Spirit of truth. In fact, the Bible says in 1 John 4, try the spirits and see if they be of God. You know, uh, you'll read throughout the Old Testament many times, uh, God says, who will be a lying spirit in the mouths of these false prophets? You can read that in the Old Testament. In First and Second Kings, you'll find that that was something very common. The Bible says there's a lot of these spirits. There's lying spirits in our world. But there is only one spirit of truth. There are many lying spirits, but only one spirit of truth. And that spirit of truth is 100% truth. The lying spirit is not. The lying spirit is like that bonded leather. You'll notice when the devil was tempting Eve, he gave a little bit of truth. He did it. He said, God said that, you know, not supposed to eat of that tree, right? Well, that's true. But then he gave the lie. Well, if you eat of it, you know what God knows is you're, just be, you're going to be just like him. You know the difference between good and evil, and you'll, you'll, 
you'll be just like God. God's afraid of that. God doesn't want competition. God doesn't want you to be like him. But with the Spirit of God, it's 100% true. You don't have to doubt it, not even for a second. What does that truth do for you and me? Well, first of all, it draws us to Christ. See, the Holy Spirit of God, because it's truth, it'll always draw you to the truth. Because He is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if another one were to come, guess what? To point him to the truth, he would point him to Christ. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It draws us to Jesus Christ because he is the truth and the spirit of truth. Now, this is important because I want you to understand this. Jesus said, I am the truth, right? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now he's telling the disciples, I'm leaving. I won't be with you much longer. They said, where are you going? I'm going to the Father. Guess what was going to happen? The light of the world was going to leave. That's what he was telling them. I'm the truth. I'm the light of the world. I'm about to leave. But I'm going to send another. And that other is going to come, and he's going to guide you, and he's going to be with you. And listen, he's going to help you to become the light of the world. He's going to indwell you permanently, and then he's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to make you and me genuine. You see, the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit that leads us to the light of Jesus Christ. Look at John 15, 26. It says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Jesus said, I want you to understand that the Spirit of truth, the one that's coming to take my place, is one that's going to draw you closer to me. And then he says, I want you to understand that he's going to give you understanding of what you hear. It's one thing to say the truth and know the truth, but it's another thing to understand the truth. The Holy Spirit of God does both. It tells you the truth and then explains the truth. Do you know that without the Spirit of God, it would be impossible to understand this book? In fact, 1 Corinthians 2 says that uh, this is a spiritual book and it's only discerned or understood by those that are spiritual. So without the Holy Spirit of God giving us understanding, there's no way we can understand this book. And see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives us the truth, and then he explains the truth. Do you know what jargon is? Uh, jargon is, is, a, is, a, is a word that, that stands for like technical terms that only certain people would understand. Uh, for instance, if you're in the medical field, uh, you'll probably use some of this jargon. You'll, you'll use some of this language that if you're not in the medical field, you may not know exactly what that means. But they'll use sometimes, they'll just say, uh, just check his BP. That stands for blood pressure. Or if there's a patient that has an NPO, that means a patient or that patient can't take anything by mouth. That's NPO. Now, I didn't go to nursing school, and if somebody would have told me that, uh, that patient's NPO, I'd be like, oh, no problem outside? What? Uh, you know, you don't know without the context. But once you have the context, you can understand. There's, there's all kinds of jargon, business jargon. They, they say, get your bang for the buck. That means that you get the most for your money. You know, people in business will say that. Uh, they'll say, oh, that's the old nine to five. What they're talking about is usually that's the hours of a workday, nine to five. 
But someone that maybe has not grown up in America or not been around those terms, you, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't understand. It would just be something like, okay, they're telling me something, but I just don't understand. They're telling me truth, but I, I can't understand what they're trying to say with that. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit gave us the Word of God, and then He says that I'm going to help you to understand the Word of God too. It's so important to understand the Word of God. We live in a world where few people are understanding more and more of what God's Word is saying. And I believe the reason for that is they're not looking at the Holy Spirit for who He is as a person. They think He's just something to possess, something to hold. We find that the Word of God teaches us that the Spirit Spirit of God is a person. He's God. He's our guide. He's someone that's genuine, that leaves us, leads us into the truth. You see, the Holy Spirit takes the eternal truth of God and helps us to understand it and believe it because He is the Spirit of truth. John 16, there in your notes, verse 12 and 13, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. How be it, Jesus said, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Jesus said the Spirit of God is going to help you know truth and understand truth and live truth. Because he is the Spirit of truth. This morning, when you think about the person of the Holy Spirit, I want you to think about this. He is God. What does that mean? That means whenever the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you in your heart, you ought to listen, because that's God speaking. It's the Holy Spirit that will sometimes tell you, hey, maybe you should go invite that co-worker to, to church. It's the Holy Spirit of God that sometimes will tell you, hey, you need to go and get right with that person and ask for forgiveness. It's the Holy Spirit of God that will tell you, you shouldn't have talked to your wife that way. You should go and ask for forgiveness and make things right. It's the Holy Spirit of God that says you shouldn't have done that or watched that or listened to that. And sometimes we get these impulses from the Holy Spirit, these words from the Holy Spirit as He's speaking to you and me, and we act like it's an option. Instead of realizing that's God speaking to you. That's God speaking to me. I wonder, do we look at Him... And when he speaks to us, as that's God speaking, because he's God. Secondly, he's our guide. What does that mean? That means when he asks you to do something, it's because he's directing you. Some of you teenagers, you're, you're freshmen and, and sophomore in high school and juniors, and you think that life is way far off, and, and, and you think you're just going to go ahead and live you know, as a 10th as a grader for the rest of your life, and you're not, and you're not thinking about, what am I going to do with my life? And, and some people are very confused. I don't know what God wants uh, me to do with my life. Can I encourage you then? Ask the Holy Spirit to direct you. That's what he's there for. Many of us miss our purpose of life, not because God has no purpose for you, but because we don't spend time with the person of the Holy Spirit and ask him, will you direct me where you want me to go? Some of you need to ask God, God, uh, uh, Holy Spirit of God, will, will, would you want me to be a, a helper in one of the classes at church? God, would you want me to be a teacher in one of the classes there at church? 
Holy Spirit of God, is there a ministry at church that you want me to get involved in? Maybe I need to be part of the orchestra. God, maybe you, you want me to be part of the uh, choir. Maybe it is that you want me to be part of, uh, of, of the sound equipment or, or, or the, uh, be a part of the ushers. Or, or maybe, uh, God, you want me to be a part of the landscaping. Or, or maybe you just want me to be a, a part of one a person that's going and just saying hi to people. I don't know what God might be leading you towards. But I know this, that if you don't spend time with the person of the Holy Spirit, you'll never be directed to where God wants you to be. Because God, as the Holy Spirit, leads. Let me ask you something. What's he leading you to do this week? What was something that he asked you to do this last week? That would be like me asking you to do something. He's a person, not a force. He's God. He's looking to guide you. College student, when was the last time you spent time in prayer and say, God, what do you want me to do? Mom, dad, when was the last time you spent time in prayer saying, God, how, how do you want me to lead my family? What is it that I need to do? How do I get my marriage to be more like you want it to be? Spirit of God, direct me. You see, he is God. He is our guide. But he's also genuine. He's our truth. When was the last time that you said, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong about the way I'm thinking about things. It's amazing to me how, how flippantly sometimes we can take the things of God Without really asking God, is this what that really means? I wonder how many of us are willing to change our lifestyle if, we, if we're shown by the Spirit of God that that's something that doesn't please Him. I wonder how many of us are willing to change the direction in our life because we find that that doesn't please the Spirit of God. There's no truth in it. And the Spirit of God only leads us to truth. Simply saying this morning that the person of the Holy Spirit is the most important person in your life. Because without Him, you cannot live the Christian life. Oh, you can do one good work maybe one day. But you won't do it for a month. You won't do it for a year. You won't do it for a decade. You won't do it for a lifetime. See, it's impossible without the Spirit of God. Jesus told his disciples, there's another comforter that will abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. This morning, I, I must ask myself, not asking just you, I'm asking myself, is he a person that I'm drawing closer to? Is he a person that's having more of me? Or is he not? This morning you might be here, and let me tell you, to have a relationship with this person, it starts with faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, like I said, draws others to Christ. And you have, if you've never made that decision to accept Christ as your Savior, that's the first step. That's how you get to know this person of the Holy Spirit. He'll draw you to Christ. Make a decision today. I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to live, leave this old life, and I want to live a life that would honor God. And that starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit of God will lead you to do today if you've not done that.
But if you've already done that, maybe the Spirit of God this morning is just speaking to your heart, perhaps about who He is, reminding you of who He is and what He does and what He'll do for you. Maybe it's time to look at Him as one that you need to draw closer to. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you for this passage that reminds us of the Holy Spirit that comes into our heart. Father, what love of that Spirit. To give of Himself as He did. Father, I pray that this morning, as we think about who the Holy Spirit of God is, Oh, I pray that we would desire to have more of Him in our life. Father, I pray that we would not grieve Him. I pray that we would not put Him off in our life. Oh, but Father, how we need to draw closer to Him and see Him as He is, the God of our life. See Him as He is, the Spirit of truth the one who will guide us into all things. Father, I pray that you would just bless this time. As the piano plays, really quick, just one stanza. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, you know, Pastor, I'm one of those that I would love the Spirit of God to be a part of my life. But to be honest, I can't think of a moment in my life where I have asked Jesus to be my Savior. I've been to church many times. I've read my Bible a few times, but I can't think of a a moment in my life, a moment in time where I asked Jesus to forgive me and be my Savior. But I'd like to make that first step this morning. If that's your decision, is there anyone like that? Would you raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone like that? Then perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I've really just not seen the Holy Spirit in that way. But I want the Holy Spirit to have more of me. And you'd say, Pastor, would you just pray for me that this week I can have more of the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, that I could draw closer to Him, that He would direct me and guide me, that He would help me to understand the truth of His Word. Would you just pray for me? Is there anyone like that? Raise your hand this morning. I just want to pray for you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see those hands. Wow, God bless you. I see those hands. Amen. Father, this morning you saw the hearts. I only saw hands, and Father, my hand was raised with them. But you saw our hearts. And I pray that this week, in whatever way you speak to us, I pray that we would listen. Wherever it is that you guide us, I pray that we would follow and obey and help us to understand more of your truth. Oh, may we draw closer to you. May your spirit be with us throughout this week, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen.